Welcome to episode 91 of the No Degree Podcast. Today's guest is Admiral Azuko, aka Maya. In high school, they fantasize about being a fashion designer. Miles grew up in a typical African family. Education was extremely important. He got good grades and was enrolled in advanced placement classes for college. Miles had their doubts about college, but went anyway. Listen in as Miles tells Janai about how they changed her major two times, dropped out of college to join the circus, picked up marketing and project management skills along the way, and eventually became a software developer. Visit NoDegree.com to start your journey. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Every sub is appreciated. This show wouldn't be possible without you. Let's get this show started. Welcome to another episode of the No Degree Podcast. Before I introduce my guests, I would encourage all of you to support this podcast. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Share it with a friend to support the podcast in any shape or form. And now I'm going to let my guest introduce herself. Hello, hello. My name is Pride Moyo Janet Ezeko, or better, well, or more often known as Miles. Miles. So you have such an interesting background and it's like shocking. And you got crazy story for days. I could literally talk to you forever. So tell me about what you used to do. Um, before getting into tech, I was a circus performer and an artist. I ran a, I ran an art collective that did body paint. So, um, yeah, I was just a very creative person before I got into tech. But uh, majority, I just I was also an art model. I spent a lot of my time around of art, around a lot of artists and creative people. So let's kind of take it back to high school. What do you want to be in high school? <laughs> in high school, I w- I really wanted to be like a famous model or a fashion designer. It had to be something in fashion. How was high school like for you? <laughs> high school, I was definitely the kid that um. Like I was in a lot of like AP classes. I was in a lot of like college prep classes, but I did not want to be there. I did not want to be there. Like I just remember telling my mom, you really want to spend all this money sending me to college. Really do. I was also the kid that never really fit in any group. Like I was in, like I was an athlete, but I hung out with the theater kids. I was really artistic. So I hung out with a lot of the artistic kids. So I never really had like a set group. I think like looking back, everybody always was like, you're just just friends with everybody. Okay. So you just, okay. You, a little bit of each group. Now, did you ever think you were going to end up in this as a circus performer? <laughs> kind of. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think high school me would be surprised. Because, like, high school me was also researching how to get a record deal. So, okay. I think high school me would be like, well done. Good. Um, do I think, like, high school me would look at where I'm at now and be like, this is exactly where? No, I think high school me would have been like, why didn't you get here sooner? All this hard work, you got distracted. So, how did you end up as a circus for? Like, what's the road? What was that journey like? <laughs> Uh, so uh, I went to college. I went to college and I was at the time I was a, uh, let's see. I think this is maybe after being a nursing, like after my, after pursuing nursing, I was an entrepreneurship major for a little bit. And in that like semester between nursing and entrepreneurship, I just had this like moment where I was like, I just want to break free. I'm getting out of this. So the summer, um, that summer I went to like an I went to like a music festival and I saw this like crazy circus 
troupe for like performing and they're like uh the circus troupe's name is quixotic fusion so i saw quixotic fusion and i was like that's what i'm doing for the rest of my life that's it that's what i'm doing i went home i sold all my stuff and i moved back to the bay area because i was just like that's it i've seen the promised land (laughs) that's it wow okay so i know a lot of people say that but you did it right yeah I literally ran away and joined the circus. I was like, I'm just going to sell everything I own. I'm going back home. Just joining the circus. We're done. What did other people around you say? My mom at first was just like, uh, get a degree. So I, I got like a fashion. I was I got went to school for fashion design for a little bit. Uh, the rest of my family is like hardcore, like traditional African. So they just thought I was absolutely crazy. Like they had a whole intervention, literally. Like they they stopped. Like we were on vacation. Like it was the summer where like all my family came out here from Africa for a cousin's wedding. So we were already on vacation. And <laughs> the best part about this vacation. Oh, now that I'm really thinking about it. They booked Cirque du Soleil tickets and left me behind. Oh man, they were like, we cannot. <laughs> Go with her. Oh, like, man. They were like, we're not giving her any more ammo than she already has. You cannot. So I was just sitting there at home. Everybody, everybody, all, all the adults, everybody was off in Vegas. And I was just at home. They left me with like some of my cousins and the cousins that couldn't go were mad. They were just like, why did you do this? We could be in Vegas. And I was like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I didn't know they were just planning a Vegas trip. I'd have just told you guys after the trip. Now you decide you want to go to the circus. How was the beginning like? Like what? Like you, it's not like you start performing on day one. <laughs> no. So like in the beginning, like so, mind you, at this time I'm a fashion design major, and so I decide, okay, let me within fashion design. I had to pick like like you know, do we want to do normal menswear, women's wear? So I decided I was going to do. Uh, costume design. And then after that, I took a fashion business class because I was like, I don't really know how I'm going to make this work. Let me take a fashion business class. Um, And then the guy that was my fashion business teacher had this project of like, if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do? And it didn't necessarily have to be like a clothing line, but it had to be something. Like you had to have like a business pitch. And so I was just like, my I wrote this business pitch and I was like, I'm going to do my version of Quixotic Fusion. Um, and in the same show, like I, there was a band that I had gone to this music festival to see. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do that, but I'm going to do the circus, but I'm going to do it to the music of Spongle. And so like I turned it in and he was like, this is really great, like really creative. And I'm like, cool, I'm going to spend the rest of my life trying to make it happen. Um, and that's really just how it, how it, ha- like how it happened. I, like was sim- simultaneously trying to become like the biggest Spongoloid, like Spongle fan possible, so that like <laughs> I could get the record label to notice me, or to get like you know some of the- get somebody in Spongle to notice me because they're like a huge ensemble. They're like two guys, but they're a huge ensemble. Uh, when they're like a lot, when they do like the live show with the instruments and all that, so you could get any of these people to notice you, <laughs> and you'd be okay. And I just, I was just on social media trying to get the band to notice me. And that actually took a while. So I just became like this, like everybody for a while, people just knew me as this like really crazy Spongle fan. One summer I landed a gig that paid really, really well. And it paid like 
$2,000. And that year, an unlimited pass to a circus gym was like maybe $1,000 or whatever. And so I, <laughs> I like took the money and I just cleared my whole summer. I spent all of it on like a summer's worth of like unlimited classes. And I would just show up every day, like first thing in the morning, I would show up for the first class of the day and I would be there all day for like the whole entire class. And I would just be there for like three months straight. And I just beast mode it like into it. So at some point, like if you do that, it just became a routine and I got like physically into, into shape, but then it's, you know, a whole like, what am I going to do? What's my like, what are people going to know me for? So that's where the whole Spongle thing and body paint came in. So mm. between like the art collective and Spongle, I finally convinced their production company to like work with me. And that's how I got to like, from after that, I was like, well, what am I going to do now? Cause I thought it was going to take years. You know, I thought it was going to be a whole thing where it was like the biggest thing I've ever done in my life. And it took me like three years. So I was like, okay, well, that's about, you know, a college degree. I have a college degree in making projects happen, basically, in my mind. So after that, I was like, well, what do I do next? Um, And I was like, okay, I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to do it. And I just kind of was in the Bay Area because I live in the Bay Area. And I was like, okay, um, that and tech. And that's where we are now. Wow, that's crazy. So let's kind of take it back. So. You're the reason why people don't offer unlimited classes because they know that one person's going to truly take <laughs> unlimited classes. But on a more serious note, honestly, they stopped it after that year because <laughs> they were like, not this one. No, not you. <laughs> yeah. So what kind of classes were there? Like, what do you learn? And you mentioned how you got in shape, like, because a lot of people don't realize that circus performers are insanely in shape. Like they're ridiculously oh, yeah. strong and flexible. So can you talk more about that? So it was like flexibility, aerial con- aerial conditioning, and then like aerial skills. So the flexibility class that you take to get flexible, the classes that you take to build muscle. And then they have like skills classes and they're generally like beginner. And then there's like a middle class and then an intermediate class. Um and then I took a class called Air Ballet, which is this lady is the only person in the country that teaches it. It's such a cool class, but it blends uh, ballet with aerial silk. NASA was like my favorite class. She was so cool. Like she would make these like ridiculous routines where you're like and you spend like a month learning the choreography and then you work on like transferring your skill, making your skills like stage worthy. I feel like a lot like a lot of circus gyms in the country, if you were to do the same thing, they and like there's a way it's they have like a more structured like curriculum. There's always like a class that is like flexibility. Everybody always wants to be more flexible. There's always a conditioning class because everybody wants to be in better shape. And then there's like skills classes. And then most will have like some kind of performance based class. I think the one, the gym I go to now, it's specifically for kids. Like they have like a kid's performance class. So I just be in the kids' classes. <laughs> like my contortion classes with a bunch of high schoolers who are like on the performance team. So I just be in the class like stretching with these kids. And they're like, well, and they just kind of look at me. They're like, why is she here? Because you can. Because I can. You know, like you guys look at this as, you know, you guys look at this as, uh, oh, the thing my parents make me do. So you see them and they're just like, the teacher would be like, get into your splits. And they're just like, ah, 
But then I'm like, I'm there to tell them like, look, you can actually turn this into a career. You can turn this into money. So they'll look at they'll just look at me and be like, well, she's not that flexible and she's making decent money on it. Can you do a split? I cannot. Like, not cold. Um, I'm literally like this, this much off the ground. Mm, okay, well, maybe about here. But like, and that's like warm. But if I'm like, if or that's cold. So if I'm warm, then it's like maybe about that much. But I cannot. The trick to splits is that like every performer has like a performance split, which isn't a full split, like square split. It's kind of like an open split so that you can take advantage of like your good side. Everybody has a good side. So like my good side is like that much off the ground in an open split. So I kind of just, just, you know, you can't really tell at that point. You're like, I get enough, good enough, good enough. Yeah. I want to be able to do a split. So, you know what? You inspired me again to at least start moving in that direction. So what are some other skills? I'm telling you like the splits challenge, like 90 day splits challenge. Don't do those. Just give yourself a good six months. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what I want to do. I don't want to do no three months and I tear like my groin area and then I'm done and I got a podcast and a special chair. Like, I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> so what are some other skills? So there's flexibility. So what are some other skills that people don't necessarily think about? Um, When it comes to being a circuit, like a professional performer, project management. <laughs> Nobody ever thinks you have to do with project management. But can you imagine like, so I, I had a collective. I was part of this collective that was roughly about 150 members. And like getting 150 people to show up to do one thing for free. Like you're not paying these people. So they don't have the incentive of being paid. That's tough. I did like free volunteer groups and it's like tough. You can't even be like, yo, you got to do it for the love. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like you, and to keep everybody hype at a level where they're submitting like near professional work. I think that was like the biggest skill I learned because I was forever like posting these projects on Facebook and people would just like show up and it'd be like hundreds of people. So it'd be like, dude, where did you get all this from? But I noticed like these projects were getting crazier and crazier and crazier. Like you do one and then you're like, you can't just do one good one either. Because once you do one decent one, everybody knows you're that person with the good projects. And I feel like this is kind of like tech too. Yeah. Similar to no, tech. Oh, makes sense. Everybody knows like, oh, you're the one that is going to come up with a good project. So even if I give it to you, even if I do all this work for free, yours usually go viral or yours usually go national. You like you, everybody that works with you gets world body paint champions sometime in their career. <laughs> like it's worth it. It's like coming up with that kind of thing. People don't realize it, but that's like a transferable skill. Coming up with a project that people want to do is a skill. And then getting people to want to do it. <laughs> yeah. What is a project? Like what like what is a project in the circus realm? Um, a project in the circus realm, honestly, I've seen everything from like fashion, like fashion shows to like show actual shows. Um, getting somebody to teach a workshop at that, like at that uh gym is a project I had. I had somebody who taught uh rigging which is like the act of getting the performer in the air. Um, they taught rigging and it was like, how do you get this rigging workshop, which is very successful everywhere else in the country? How do you get it to start in a new market? Which was like the circus gym that I had taken the unlimited class with. After I took the unlimited class, they were like, how do we get more people like you that are going to take an unlimited class? We won't give you, we won't make that the option. How do we get people like you? Uh, and so I introduced this rigging workshop 
And so then it was like, how do we get people to show up at this rigging workshop? And like the first, the first few sold out. So it was like, oh, well, dang, because it's the novelty of it. But how do you get people to keep doing it? Like keep showing up. Um, that was one of the projects I have I've had. Um holiday parties at Google, like Microsoft. Those are projects because like you got to deliver a theme. They usually want you to deliver deliver a theme. They want you to have like certain dancers, certain talents. Everybody got to look happy. You know, then, you, then there's like the rules and laws that go into that. So that's a project. I think people tend to think of like the more ar- artistic things. Like, oh, I saw this really cute video on YouTube or I saw this really cool video on like... um on Instagram, just like content creation, people don't realize the ones that the people that you see that do like uh, circus skills on YouTube or um, have a YouTube channel channel around it. Those are pro- those are certain projects that I've seen in circus. No, oh, I mean, thank you for really just like enlightening me because it's like there's so much. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily think of it, but now it just really shows that there are actually a lot of different areas where people can actually sort of make money. So now. How was it making your first money, right? So you had that big gig, you took these classes, then how'd you sort of make money? And how is it? Is it like, do you work five days a week or it's like a gig here and there and you kind of look for your next gig? What's that situation Um, and process like? For me, making money was more like I had to, like, I had to be good at fundraising. So if I was going to do a project, I had to find the money. If I was going to find the money, I had to know somebody who had, like, was either good at, like, who was either wealthy enough to give away the money. Or, you know, or an organization that would, that would give it away. Um, a lot of times, like, I would do a smaller bit of a bigger project. And then just, they're like, in the arts industries, there's just gigs that you, ha- that you hear other people that have. Like, art modeling, that was a constant gig that I always did. I was always, like, standing still in front of somebody. So making money as, like, a performer, it's you rarely ever, like, The performers that you know that are like professional performers and when you think of like ones that are like Beyonce and they have like the whole team of people, they make money off the fact that they show up and do something. The ones of us that are kind of like more gig industry ones, we make money off the fact that like there is a gig economy. So for a lot of my stuff, it was there was a gig economy. But for the other parts of it that were actually like me being there, me pushing somebody else's agenda or me like being known. It was because people found me and were like, well, the stuff that you do, like you don't, you don't have stuff that's individually your art. The stuff where you're organizing everybody else's art is great. So let's just have you organize this. That's where I made my money. Like people that were just like, I want to find somebody to organize something that isn't going to charge me an arm, leg, foot, but is going to be successful. So you mentioned gig economy. So are there like websites? Are there groups? Word of mouth? How does that sort of work? I think like for like for a lot of the body paint stuff that I did, I actually had to create like a Facebook group. Going forward, like that's kind of what my uh, next project is, is to create some kind of like economy, like not necessarily a gig economy, but try, try to create something that gets artists collaborating on projects that are already done. Being an artist, a lot of times people are just say work for exposure, you know, and then you never make money. But if you're a new artist and you're talented or skilled, you might not necessarily get the same, like the same chance as somebody who's just been in the game and everybody knows their name. So creating projects where, you know, it's not necessarily my bias that picks the person. It's like an open source thing. 
where everybody picks a person and it's just randomized uh, is kind of my next idea. Ooh, I love so it. So that I love- like you don't have that kind of like gig economy and you do end up getting paid fairly for your work because the gig economy is sound. It makes money for who it makes money for. Yeah. But it doesn't make money for everybody. Yeah. So basically you're telling me like there's ed tech, there's all these types of tech. You're creating circus tech. <laughs> Not necessarily circus <laughs> tech, but like creator tech. I'm trying to join the creator, like the creator economy because I read everywhere how the creator economy is making us all money. Yeah, like I'm trying to create the creator economy. I'm trying to boost the creator economy through circus, through circus tech. Yeah. I'm telling you, just take circus tech and that's it. Just be like, it's called circus tech. I don't care what y'all say. It's circus tech. So now let's kind of think about uh, that career. What was the highlight? What was like your biggest accomplishment in circus? Ooh, working with Trongel, because that was like the first time in my adult life that I set out to do something and everybody's like, that's crazy. I was like, I don't care. Because you know, when you're the first time you do it, it's like, there's a freedom in like, just being like, I don't care. I'm going to do it. So that was the, that's the first career highlight. Because I think that moment started everything. (laughs) Like after that, everybody knew I was going to be insufferable, like some kind of insufferable. Um, the next career highlight, meeting Jessica Livingston. Because I feel like she's like, you know, she started Y Combinator. So it's like, oh, if I like if me, little old me, circus performer, broke, formerly starving or <laughs> starving artist, like can meet this lady and sit in front of this lady, anything is possible. Like that's a billionaire. Anything is possible. You know, like at that moment, I was like, dude, my networking skills are flawless. Look at this. Anything's possible. So those two moments, definitely. Yeah. So now we we talked about the highs. Let's talk about the lows. Like what was the time that was like the hardest period of your life or (laughs) time for circus? I'm so sorry if I opened up a can of worm, but (laughs) let's talk about it. I love this question because the low, the lowest moment, one of the lowest moments I said, uh, you know, Working with Spongle, the lowest moment was probably right before that, as I'm sewing the costumes for this. Uh, and it's like, it's like maybe the week before this. And it's like the week before this, like drama. There's so much drama. The production company isn't paying me what they said they're going to pay me. People are starting to flake out because people aren't paying me what they said they're going to pay me. I got 20 million costumes to sew. I got fans to talk to. I'm sitting at home. Like My living room is a hot mess. There are peacock feathers everywhere. <laughs> my mom is like, what is this? I haven't slept it by then. I probably haven't slept in like three weeks. At the same time, I was like also doing a bunch of like simultaneous projects that weren't as big as this one. So it was just, I remember sitting on the floor and I was just sobbing. And then funny enough, right after the right after the concert was also a really low moment because, you know, the high of everything is worn off and you have to clean up. Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I totally forgot. Like, so you guys, you, so you have to actually clean up after that. I mean, like after the concert, um, like there's professional cleaners that come in and do everything. But like I like even then with the hundred like with the artists that I had, like the collective that I had organized, you know, everybody goes home. But then there's still like the cleanup that even from there, um, I had like rented a car to get everybody to San Francisco. So I had to get everybody home. 
And then like after that, you had to take the rental car home. That was the lowest moment. They're like, I'm so tired. I've been up for three weeks. I just performed. I had to clean all this up. Now I got to get the money to the bank and turn the rental car in. Like on the way back to take the rental car. Like I was driving home and I was like, I'll just do it later. My mom was like, no, like I'm just, I was so tired. I was like, I just need to go to sleep right now, right now. Like, I don't care. I was so focused. I got home. My mom was waiting for me and she was like, no, we're taking the rental car. And I was like, no, I'm going to bed. She was like, no, you're taking the rental car because that way you go to sleep and you just go to sleep. And in that moment, I had nothing left. I started crying. Like I was like full on sobbing. And my mom just grabbed the keys for me. I'm sobbing. She's like, just come on. She's like dragging me to the rental car. And I'm just like, hey, buddy. I still have my stage makeup on. Yeah. Oh man. I'm in like this purple onesie. <laughs> oh my God. You could tell, like, in the way the makeup was, it was like full body makeup. And you could tell, like, because I have a onesie and it's zipped up to here. But you can tell, like, from my makeup, there's some creative stuff because it's on my. Oh. I get to the rental car place, my eyes are bloodshot. I have, like, been sweating because, like, I have been dancing all day. <laughs> Like my mom is like dragging me in, and I'm just like here. He's <laughs> just like he's like. It's like what is this? This is like a story. Like, hey, do you remember that girl who came in looking like that? I was like, okay, so I zipped the thing out so he could see. I like zipped the one, like it's one of those, like it's a cloak. So I zipped it open, and I was like here, and he was just like. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It's gorgeous. Because it's like a huge head-to-toe peacock <laughs> pattern He's that I stood there for eight hours while they painted. Um, so I, that's why I'm like physically exhausted in this story. He's like, it's so beautiful. Do you mind if I take a picture? I'm like, yeah, sure. And he's just like taking a picture. He's like, this is so cool. I can't wait to tell everybody. So I like, we leave. Um, that like we leave, I go home and like, I remember just looking at my bed. I'm still covered in all this paint. I just go. Done. How, how long did you sleep? Oh, I must've woken up like maybe a good 12 hours later. Like I, that day I didn't leave. I didn't like, I might've just gone. That's one of those, like you get up, you go to the bathroom, you come back to sleep. You get up, you go to bathroom. You like, you drink some water, you go to sleep. It was one of those. Like I was out for as long as my body would let me. <laughs> I love how that's like the lowest moment I can think of. Just like right before and right after. <laughs> no, I mean, literally like the a movie, right? You have the climax, you have that, you have that. And then, you know, so no, thanks for sharing that. That's pretty cool. So what are some... Like you obviously have a lot of networking skills. You have a lot of people skills. You have a lot of coordination skills. You have a great work ethic. So those are things that make someone in this industry successful. So you've seen a lot of people come and go in this industry. What are the common things that make them successful outside of the ones that I mentioned right here? Mm. I, I like, I want to stay away from like the buzzwordy answers, like grit and determination. But there has to be, like, you have to have a level of, like, you can't tell me nothing to, like, make it, you know? Like, there's just a level of, like, (laughs) when I started, people just kept telling me that I couldn't do it. Like, it's just not for you. Pick another job in tech. You don't have to be a web developer. You don't have to be anybody that codes. You can do anything, you know? 
And there's a level of like, no, I'm going to do this. Like you have to suffer through people telling you you're crazy. Cause for a while before, like when I started telling people about circus and code and wanting to do something in tech that was circus related, people were just like, that's never going to happen. So there's a level of like, you just have to be crazy enough to do something new. Um, I think another thing is you just have to be a willing to suck at something. Like when I first started in circus, I was not good at all. Getting back to it now that I've been out of it for roughly two years, I am not great. Even if I used to be great, not great. Sucking at stuff. And then lastly, I think the level of vulnerability. Um, if you're pursuing any anything that's like an idea or a passion of yours, you have to be vulnerable to let people tell you like, hey, try this. You have to be vulnerable to like to like accept some kind of advice, criticism, mentorship, whatever. What are the mistakes that people make like in this industry that you ca- have commonly seen? Ooh. Oh, like in, in tech or in like... No, circus, circus. In circus, not knowing your worth. Like people will take the first gig that gets them out there, like gets their name out there and they'll like, you'd be like, it's for exposure. And it's great. Okay. Well, if they came to you and they're like a business organization, whatever, if they came to you, they have a budget nine times out of 10. Ask your worth. And if they can't afford your worth, then negotiate. But always ask your worth first. Price out whatever you're trying to do first and tell people the real value of how much your worth is. Because if you accept a lower value rate, then that person goes out into the industry thinking that everybody else that does what you do is going to be able to do what you do at that rate. So always ask your worth that first and then maybe like stick to it. As much as you can. I think another thing artists do in circus that may not be a hindrance. Not actually. um, I think in circus, circus tends to be really, really like, this is how we did it traditionally. So traditionally, it's always been done that way. I think not really incorporating other industries as much. And by that, I mean like tech. We could have been innovating. Before this, could have been innovating. It's just now that like performers of color are getting some kind of like recognition. And it's just now that like, oh, the idea of like circus and tech is cool. Like, you know, I've been saying the same thing for forever. And now it's just now that people are like, oh, that's doable and cool. So I see like people just coming in and not having the stick to itiveness, you know? Because just because you want to do something and then people doesn't people don't take it at the first time. They just give up. I've been laughed at of <laughs> laughed at for everything I've said before. <laughs> and I'm still here. So stick to it. And you're still going strong. So what would you say are the mistakes that you've personally made oh, in the circus industry? Man, being Remember, we, we we have a limited time, so don't you know. <laughs> <laughs> being really loud. Before I had the space to be loud, like being loud and wrong. <laughs> There's, I, like, I have so many things that I've said in the beginning of my career that people are like, do you remember when you said that? And I'm like, no. <laughs> uh, so definitely being loud and wrong. But I feel like even that might be something that came back to benefit me. Mistakes I made not actually getting into everything. 
I got into circus and I was like, I'm going to be an aerialist. And people are like, oh, try, try this clown class. And I'm like, clown? <laughs> no. And like, try acrobatics. I'm like, acrobatics? <laughs> no, I want to be an aerialist. I came here to be an aerialist. I'm going to be an aerialist. Now that I'm like applying for grants and stuff, I'm like, I could have been able to say acrobat there. I could have been able to say clown there. I could have been able to say juggling there, you know? So not trying as much. I mean, as like crazy and out there as joining the circus was, I picked the the part of circus that's flashy and cute. I didn't like delve into like depths of it. So now let's kind of make the slow transition to tech. When did that happen? Because this is a big thing. Like, and I think, let me know if I'm wrong, but I don't think many people in circus one day say, hey, I want to code. How did that, how did that happen? Everybody asked me that. They're like, what made you connect the two? Like, did you just wake up one day and was like, ah, no, I'm going to do this. Um, I think it's a combination of living in Silicon Valley. Like everybody codes here pretty much. Everything you do here is somehow tech related. Everything. Then you find out like the kids who can afford to do circus because half their kids or half their parents work in tech. So like you'll be at circus gyms and you see all these like 12 year olds, whatever. And, you know, they're waiting for their kid, their parents to pick them up. And then all of a sudden all these Teslas pull up and you're like, well, what do you do? So first I had a job as the administrative assistant at a circus, uh, circus gym. And I would just ask the parents what they do for a living. Start hearing web developer, programmer, software engineer, project manager, software engineer, tech CEO, software engineer, software engineer, software engineer. Okay. Well, there. Uh, that's how you did it. Um, but secondly, I said I was obsessed with Spongle, this band called Spongle. So on Spongle's record later, label, there is another artist named Prometheus. And Prometheus... His, name, his real name is Benji Vaughn. So Benji Vaughn is now currently the CEO of a tech company in the UK called Disciple Media. So um, around the time that I was a huge Spongle fan trying to get my name out there so that enough Spongle fans would like contact their production company, Spongle came out with a, an app that for Spongle fans to connect with each other. Uh, it turns out that Benji Vaughn made this app. And so he wanted and he was trying to. So he sold his shares as at the at, as part of a twisted twisted records to pursue this tech company. And then to find to like beta test this app for communities, he was like, who do I know with like a niche community that I could just use? And he was like, oh, there's a whole psychedelic movement I was a part of. Let me get this guy to try it with his fans. Uh, so that's where I came in. I downloaded the app. Um, coincidentally, the year that I downloaded the app, the first tour, like the first tour date, the app was available was San Francisco. I always thought that was a coincidence. It was meant to be. It was meant to be. I downloaded the app. So I was one of the first users on this app. I became the power user. And after a while, I started just suggesting like, you should put this, you should put that, you should put this, you should put that. Finally, the uh, the people behind the app, the the project manager and the web developers reached out to me. They're like, have you ever considered UX UI design? And I was like, why? I'm like every single thing that you suggest, <laughs> all of the user experiences <laughs> you suggest are great. We implement them. Everybody uses them. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can, oh, okay. So um, after that, I tried UX UI design. I didn't like it. 
So I stayed in touch with Benji and I heard his story on like why he wanted to get into tech. And he was like, yeah, I just, I was getting to a point where being an artist just wasn't enough. And then I came up with this brilliant idea and I learned how to code. I spent a couple of months learning to code and I just banged my head on the table and, you know, sold my shares, got a few people that could take my bootstrapped idea. And here we are. And I was like, you learned how to code? He's like, yeah. Oh, let me try. Can't be too hard. <laughs> Famous last words. Wow. No, that's that's cool. So when was that? What year was that? Roughly about 2016, 2017. Okay. So how was that journey like? So you went, you started, how'd you get started? Um, I went on tour. So that summer... About either 2017, 2018, I went on tour and I followed this. I followed Spongle across the country. So I went from San Francisco to Colorado and I stayed with a bunch of Spongle fan, uh, fans in Colorado for like two months. And at the time, I was just like, yo, I'm gonna buy a computer. So I walked into the Apple store in Denver and bought this like rose gold computer and was like, I'm gonna learn how to code now. Um, and then I just started like Googling, like coding know how to code free code camp from there i got connected to an organization in the bay area called tech inclusion and they host like tech conferences so it was that network that started introducing me to people in tech like actually in tech and then i got a job at a startup that just had like the i was a quality tester so i tested the code to make sure everything ran um one day i saw react on a screen and i was like i'm gonna learn how to do that (laughs) and then I started like, then I was like, oh, how do I learn how to code? People were like, go to boot camp. <laughs> so um, a friend of a friend was in the YC ecosystem and suggested a boot camp uh, or suggested summer hackers program. And so that summer I just learned how to code and I've just been sitting at the computer ever since. This is still the same, com- same computer desk, same chair <laughs> from when I went to boot camp. Wow, that's amazing. And what year did you go to boot camp? 2019. Then what happened? You went to the boot camp, you know, you learned some stuff. I went to boot camp and then I, so the scholarship that I had came with a $10,000 stipend. And so I, after the boot camp, I kind of just used the money. Like I moved back home with my parents and I used the money to just stay at home. And then I found like a job that was a minimum wage, like full-time job. It came with benefits and I tried to code in the middle of, you know, code between working and everything. And then the pandemic hit. So I was literally at home just doing nothing. So I spent the whole beginning of the pandemic like relearning how to code and then trying to find a job. So what did you learn new languages, get better at the current languages you you knew? How was that? I stuck with JavaScript. Like I just became really obsessed with JavaScript and React. Because at that point I figured, well, you know, I learned HTML, CSS, JavaScript. That's, you know the tech tech stack that this bootcamp had. I didn't want to learn. Like I looked at Python. I was like, okay, it's cool. Uh, I looked at C sharp. I was like, okay. But I knew I was never going to get a job until I really could just master a few languages. So yeah, I just stuck with those. And I never, the apprenticeship I got was also in React. So I never really strayed too far from React. It's popular. Okay. So you had some experience in tech. What, gravitated you towards an apprenticeship and how does it work like do you get paid what do you do as a, as an apprentice um 
the reason I chose an apprenticeship was because at the time that I was looking for jobs, I knew, um, like I interviewed for a, like a dev, a developer relations job simply because I knew like, Hey, eventually I want to be a developer, like be in developer relations. But an apprenticeship really struck me because I just was like, Hey, they will, they will pay you to learn. And my, uh, my boyfriend is a, he's in construction. He owns a construction company and that's how he got into construction. He had a construction apprenticeship and he was like, yeah, try to see if you can find an apprenticeship. They will pay you to learn. And then most of the times they'll hire you, right? Because they spend all this time paying you to learn. So it was this concept of like, and I knew a few companies had them. So I, I knew like they, like I knew the idea of like a career changer is exactly who they want an apprenticeship. And then I knew like, okay, well, circus performer turned web developer. You're only going to see one or two of those. <laughs> so people are going to be like, oh yeah, that's cool. But I think if you actually, um, like once I started applying, um, it was either that I was going to get it because I knew just enough JavaScript for them to work with or um, the idea of a circus performer turned web developer was going to be so enticing to somebody that they were like, let's just give her a shot. What's the worst that could happen? And it was like a case of both. Like the first apprenticeship was like, hey, you don't really know enough, but you know just enough to be deadly. And then the second one was like, you're a circus performer turned web developer. That's just freaking cool. So I went with the second one because I loved the enthusiasm. It wasn't even like, you don't know enough. It was just, that is cool. I mean, it is freaking cool. When I heard that, I was like, I hope she doesn't have a degree. And I hope she <laughs> says yes. So thank you no so much. No degree. I swear. I'm like, I back out of like college between every single time I get near one. I'm like, three years? That's enough. That's enough. I don't need the last year. The last year is just sprinkling. It's okay. The paper don't matter to me. I'm not paying you for the paper. So was there ever a time that the lack of a college degree held you back? Like when you were applying for jobs or anything of that sort? Oh, man. Yes. Yes. Because in between wanting to be in tech and wanting to be in circus, there was a time where I was like, well, I can't really get the fashion jobs I want because I don't have a I don't have a degree. I can't you need really a degree. Get... You need like a fashion degree or something. Some of them. Yes. Like the ones that at like design like fashion designer job yet yes they tend to want people that they can be like well you have a degree you can do pattern making blah 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 so I didn't quite have like an associate's degree I didn't have like a degree degree so I couldn't get any of those and then just the jobs that you can get because people are like oh at least you got a degree I couldn't convince anybody into into those because I live in Silicon Valley everybody comes here the the barrier to entry is so high so like the kind of jobs that would have just been kind of marginally available in a smaller market weren't. Oh, they're like, oh, you need a PhD to schedule our <laughs> lunch meetings and stuff. I mean, even the tech industry here, if you think about it, everybody that's here is like the best of the best. So it's even if you get like, even if you're trying to get into these entry level jobs, it's like, what are, can you jump through hoops? And I'm like, technically I can. Can I get the job? And they're like, no, you don't have to do Those are not the right type of hoops not the right type of hoops we don't want okay. we we don't need ours to be on fire that's cool but we don't need them to be on fire ah okay so have you ever felt insecure about not having a degree because i know sometimes like from african <laughs> families it's like your family members saying something and they're like 
didn't know. It's like it quickly went from like, I want to join the circus to I don't need a degree. And I was just like, look at all these startup founders that are leaving, that are leaving their colleges behind the Start, start the, the start there to you know do the startups. I don't need a degree. I'm gonna just be one of them. And my parents were just, you what? You don't need a degree. Foolishness. And then when I just couldn't find a decent job, yeah, like it was kind of soul crushing because I was just like, how do I deal with this? You know, was I wrong? But I think that's why I ended up getting into tech because it was like the clear industry where it was like, you don't need, like the timing, like the message at the time was you don't need a degree. And tech needs more people from a different background than you, than us. Like we need people like you. Yeah, no, I'm glad. I'm glad they're learning because people like you should have been in tech like 10 years ago. So I'm glad at least. But I'm also of... glad they weren't because like now I, I yeah, get to be right. the person with all these innovative ideas. Like some of these are like, you know, ideas that could have been done 10 years ago. I was telling somebody, I was like, you remember how innovative the Michael Jackson black and white video was? And he, they were like, what? I was like that whole face morphing thing never done before. And that whole face morphing thing launched a lot of face like technology and like facial recognition and all that stuff. But can you imagine if it hadn't started, if somebody hadn't been inspired by Michael Jackson, if Michael Jackson hadn't been like, no, I'm going to I'm going to change. I'm going to do something revolutionary with my money and my music. Like when was the last time we had somebody like that? Oh, you're right. He was definitely ahead of his time. So. And look, when you're in the workforce, you got to use circus analogies all the time. Like, all, you the time. all the time. All the time. At <laughs> interviews, I'm always like, I want this is, I want to say this is my circus. You are all my monkeys. I would mm-hmm. like to take the cir- the chaos that the chaos of this circus and be the ringleader. I'm like, I love that. I love that. Throwing them all in there. You gotta, you gotta tweet these things, and you gotta send me messages on Twitter because I'm gonna laugh at this. And you know, want to know something's funny? Netflix uses a program called Chaos Monkey. Yeah. Netflix. Somebody yeah, you, at Netflix needs to get me into an interview. Yeah. Just for the sheer just for comedy. Now. Just yeah. so I can use the analogy of chaos monkeys. Yeah. So you know what it is? It's um, Netflix is known for having some of the best servers, right? Like their their software engineer is so top notch that it's hard to ever have a video down on Netflix. And theirs is so good. And someone can correct me if I'm wrong, right? Send me a comment, send me a mean comment or something like that if I'm wrong. But basically the program Chaos Monkey randomly shuts down different things to ensure that it works and they test if anything happens. So that's what Chaos Monkey does. Oh my God. Yeah. It is literally a Chaos Monkey. Yeah, it is. I have like a mental picture of like this like monkey swinging from like chaos to chaos being like, no, knocking, knocking chaos bananas out of people's hands. No chaos for you. Yeah. So yeah. So I mean, check that out. So I, I think that would be, that would be good. That's just, Chaos monkey. So, you know, you obviously come, you know, you're a smart person. You took the AP classes, but you know, it wasn't something that you wanted. I, and you know, I'm the same way that, you know, your parents just like, you have to get this, you have to get a degree. Now, how could the education system been improved for someone like you so that you would have been more interested? I think like I was always really interested in like STEM 
Like when I was in high school, I remember the uh, the computer club was me and like three of my friends. And I, um, at one point, I was one of the few students that had an EDU address because I wanted to get on Facebook. And to get one, I had to join the, com- the computer club. So I was in the computer club working on my <laughs> Facebook at the time. So I was, and I like, I was always crying for a computer. My first computer, my parents got it from my dad. My stepdad owned a security company. And so he was doing security for Oracle and they were throwing it away. So he took it out of the trash and was like, oh, look, it's a computer. Check it out. And ever since then, I've always been crying for a computer. When I when I was like, I'm going to learn how to code and I'm going to get a job in tech, my mom was not surprised. She was not surprised. My brother already had a job in tech and like med, doing something in medical tech. So the second time around, nobody was surprised. The first time around, I think it was like modeling was kind of easy because I started when I was really young. So it, was, it wasn't that like I was into tech and it, nobody paid attention. It was like, uh, well, out of these, out of these two, one of them is clearly going to make you money, and you can come back to the second one. Because uh, my parents were always like giving me a computer, like on weekends. They were always like, I had a laptop when I was like thirteen, fourteen. So they were always really into like whatever I was super interested in. And they were always really into it. But I think um, it was partnered with the like obviously you are a very pretty girl. So you're just going to have to be a model. <laughs> like there was a, a level of just like, don't get any, like it's literally how people are like, you know, you, the story of like, oh, I want to be a model. And the parent is like, are you crazy? You're never going to make it. Mine is the exact opposite. My parents are like, ah, ah, ah. what do you mean you don't want to do modeling? How are you ever going to pay the bills? <laughs> like you're smart, but how are you ever going to pay the bills? You're not a model. Like you're not doing anything in fashion. Like, so I think like the educational system didn't really fail me. <laughs> My parents were just single-minded determination. I was going to be a model. Interesting. That, that's cool. It's an interesting story. So let's slowly start to wrap up. What are your future goals? Uh, my future goals, like first off, I want to create this circus and code thing, which is a um, right now it's an attempt to write a circus production using artificial intelligence, kind of like how you do the thing where you like teach a teach a computer to like thousands of bits of data and hopefully it spits out something that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I want to do that with the circus production, so um, that's what I'm working on now. But I want to scale it to like lots of other things. Like I want to do an act with a flying motorcycle because Y Combinator funded a flying motorcycle. And I just thought that was cool. Um, then there's an act with the with the drone that stops bullets. I want to do the bullet act, like the circus act, the bullet act. I want to do it with the drone that stops bullets. Um, and then there's a last moonshot machine. Uh, this idea is called the moonshot circus. There's a last moonshot machine that I want to build myself which uh, if I ever get there, I'll start telling people about it. <laughs> right now, it's like, eh, this is a great idea. I don't know how far I'm going to tell people. Um, other than that, I want to get a real job in tech. Like, as a developer, like, in de- developer relations, because I feel like that's where I really belong, even if I don't have, like, the career length. And then circus, just getting better at circus. No, I mean, I love that. And you know what you got to call it. You got to call it Circus Monkey. That's what you got to call the program. And don't worry, this episode doesn't release for a few weeks. So 
Let's take that name. No, the program is literally called Circus Encode. Yeah, but you got to create the, the the program. The program of Circus Encode needs to be Circus Monkey? And there has to be something in it that's called Circus Monkey. Do you know why that might actually be true? The classes that I signed up for, um, it's at a place called Athletic Playground. But their their marketing is literally like circus monkeys. That's literally their marketing tactic. So like, <laughs> it sounds kind of like it almost feels kind of racist when you first go in there. Because <laughs> like everything, there's like so many monkeys all over the place. Yeah. But like, it's their thing. And then once you get into it, like they're like, no, you must inhabit the spirit of the monkey. And you're like, what? So I kind of feel like you're right. The actual program needs to be called Circus Monkey. It, it's just meant to be. Look, I learned about Chaos Monkey like two weeks ago. So before two weeks, it would have been a totally different episode. So I just learned about it. Random fact, I was on Reddit. They kind of talked about it. I read the first comment. I was like, wow, this is cool. Oh my God. I'm going to go to Netflix and be like, look, you guys, I want to be part of your Chaos Monkey system. I would like to say this is my circus. These are my monkeys. They're as chaotic as they may be. Yeah. So is there anything that you want to share that I haven't like already asked? Like something that's on your chest that you really want to tell? Oh, it could could be facts about monkeys too. Um, so there's an actual circus encode community. Um, Disciple Media, this the soap, the brand, the company that I mentioned earlier that was so influential. Um, for my birthday last year, they gave me a free use of their platform. So there's an actual community, like Circus Encode community, and it's HTTP colon slash slash circusencode.disciplemedia.com. I always have to think about that. I'm yeah, like, we'll, sh- we'll have it in the show notes. Send me, send me the link on Twitter. The link, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's about it. Um, hmm. I don't know. That's about it. Yeah. Join the All community. Right. So Give we me definitely got to do a episode again when you are the head of Netflix chaos monkey service and all that <laughs> stuff. Uh, how would people support you and follow you? I am at advocate miles M Y L E S on Twitter. Um, again, you can join the circus and code community. Um, hmm, what else? Can I join? Like I was never in the circus. Yeah. You can literally join literally. This is not like, Hey, I got to be a circus performer to join. And it's funny because like people generally think they got to be a circus performer to join. And I'm like, no, circus performers always think they got a code to join. They're like, but it says code at the end. I'm like, but it says circus first. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you just got to be a normal person with the passion for community and maybe a want or drive. Or if you've ever felt like maybe I should run away and join the circus. Now is your time. Circus and code is your space. I heard this episode when I was younger life would be very different. So, you know, I'll kind of let them know when I join. Yes. Thank you. And yeah, Circus and Code is kind of there to show you, you can join the circus and make it be fun. Like, I mean, the circus is always fun, but you can make it be something other than it, than it is like. I forgot to ask you one question. Actually, two questions. What advice would you give to your 18-year-old self. You meet yourself at 18. What are you telling that little girl? Join the circus. What are you doing? You just in your room doing all these dances. You At 18, I was in my room doing all the bye, 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 bye. So yeah, do it. Professionally. Go. Go, girl. Learn JavaScript. <laughs> and 
Yeah. My 18 year old self, actually, I would ask my 18 year old self for advice because at some point, like, I feel like the person I am today is like literally who that 18 year old person wanted to be. And then when I'm not hitting my mark, I'm straying from like the original like mission of my 18 year old self. 18 year old me just wanted to be a rock star and live a great life. (laughs) Like very simple. I just wanted money enough to like dress nice and have good and have a great time with my friends. I didn't want a lot at 18. So, and I wasn't into mischief either. Like I was an 18 year old, like my parents gave me a car uh, and I had a bedroom door that had like, it like had a separate access. I never thought to sneak out. I was that kid that was just going to tell my parents I'm late. I'm running late. So I think I want to get more. I would actually ask my 18 year old self for advice. You know, how do I get back to that? Because, wow. you know, <laughs> that is the most unique answer that I've heard so far. And I'm not surprised it came from someone from the circus. So 18 <laughs> year old me knew what she wanted. 18 year old me really was researching how to get a record deal. Don't worry. One day it will happen. So thank you so much for your time. This was such a fun episode. I know the audience got some value. I hope someone runs away and joins the circus. And if you do, please let us know. I'd love to hear that story. Find me. I can help. I wanted, like, if you hear this and you really want to run away and join the circus, I want to be there. Like, I totally want to be there. Yeah. So good luck to you and your future journey. And I look forward to a future episode when you are the master of JavaScript and founder of something cool and the Ringmaster for all the chaos monkeys. Yeah, so thank you so much. <laughs> My pleasure. Another great episode. Thank you for listening. Hopefully, this information was valuable and you learned a lot. Stay tuned for the next episode. This show is sponsored by you. No degree wants to remain free from influence so that we can talk about the topics without bias. If you think the show is worth a dollar or two, please check out our Patreon page. Any amount is No degree, no problem. No problem. Any problem, we can solve we them. Got this. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving, growing and knowing. Wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. If you didn't know, now you know. Let's sing that again, everybody. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. No degree, no problem. Any problem, we can solve them. Linked insomnia keeps us evolving. We're growing in the knowing. The wisdom is flowing. If you didn't know, now you know where I'm going. Yeah.